When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. future we're talking real money the primary goal of all of this work that we do and you do and we suggest you do that the the primary goal of saving and investing for almost all of us is retirement that is going to be the biggest expense in our life it is going to be the single biggest expense bigger than cars bigger than houses bigger than college educations particularly now that we're living so long now the typical age at which most people retire has been around 65 years old well a recent study from the folks at gobankingrates.com found that 63 percent of all of us do not believe They'll be in financial shape to retire at 65, and we're going to have to wait a little while. And those over 55 are even less confident. 70% of older Americans don't believe they can retire by 65. And so what do you need to do? What are we doing wrong first? What are we doing wrong first? And then, Tom, what do we need to do to be more confident about our ability to retire? Yeah, it's fascinating that uh, in this piece, they talk about the reasons why you might not be able to retire at age 65. It, I mean, the reasons are fairly obvious. One of them is Social Security, which, as we know, somewhere around half of the income that comes to Americans after retire comes from Social Security, which is a lot. I mean, you need to pay attention to this. And still, it's less than 10%. Wait until age 70 to take it. We'll talk more about that in a couple minutes. Uh, but here's another one that's pretty important insufficient savings yeah that's Not the biggie setting from our aside enough money yeah right i mean and you know do i take the trip or do i save it for retirement do i get the car or do i set it aside for the future i get that that's hard uh people also cite things like high inflation um <laughs> the aforementioned on a recent show high interest debts for those of you who have credit card <laughs> debt oh, and 28.24 at bank of america bingo you know but here's the one that I think is really important. They they put it down the list. I think it's the number one, one, if you will. Number, um, one, one. number one, one is most people don't have a retirement plan. I was just going to say, I would be willing to bet if you ask those same people, if they have a plan for retirement, that you would find the vast majority, very few would have one, the vast majority have no plan whatsoever, not even a couple of numbers scratched on the back of an envelope. Yeah, they people have it. It's like going to the doctor in some ways. I don't want to get the bad news. Oh. I don't want to go oh. find out that they're going to have to make my head cold. Or <laughs> Sorry, that's inside oh, reference. He had a little skin thing, yeah, surgery, and now I'm he's like whining. Straight my head. I still was whining. <laughs> Is that like nitrogen or something? This stuff's cold. It is liquid nitrogen. They burn that stuff off. Not fun. Not fun. Anyway, so yeah, most people don't have a plan. The people that we talk to, 
they kind of have one. Like, oh, I'm thinking, you know, 65, 66, I'll start taking Social Security. I'll, but yeah, they but don't really have, have to, But the people we out. talk to are listeners to this. They're followers, yep. they're, they're, they're readers, they're, you know, th- they are people who have already thought, at least thought about this some. Yeah. And I just talked to a 40 year old um, on Zoom who looked like he was about 18. Uh, I said, That's because you're old. I know. I looked at him like, wow, you're really young. But he's already figured out how much he's going to need in 20 years, et cetera. But let's just talk about a few of the, the mistakes I see for even people that have plans. This happens all the time. The number one issue I see is not around Social Security planning, not around insufficient savings, but how much are you going to spend and what are you going to spend it on? Most That's people really don't know. That's where you need to start. You yes, got to start exactly. there because if you don't know that number, and here's the way I would do it. Number one, I would not, as many people do say, well, I'm going to spend a lot less in retirement. It turns out that doesn't really happen because- you still got to eat. You still got to have a place to live. You got to pay your taxes and you find time that you didn't have before to spend money. <laughs> right now, I don't spend as much probably as I will in retirement because I'm at work. I'm busy. I'm doing stuff. So I'm not running around buying. However, things. may I flip that coin for a minute? Absolutely. Because there is another side to that coin. A lot of us think when you say that, then people are thinking, well, okay, I make $80,000 a year. I need to still get 80000 adjusted for inflation in retirement. But we also forget in that calculation, if we're a good saver and an investor, we're putting 10, 15, 20% of that 80,000 into retirement plans and the like. So, you know, we can probably live on 60. But here's what I would do when we run the plans, we run it on what you're spending today. Spending. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yep. Spending, not earning. But that's that is, key. that's the gross minus taxes minus if you're setting something aside, that's the number. Most yeah. people don't know that number. Of course they don't. They don't sit down and pencil it all out. I mean, then there's ways to do that, but that's the starting point. Okay. That's number one. Number two, the aforementioned social security, since it's a huge part of all of this, don't be cavalier about it. Don't just say, well, I want my money because, and we know the biggest reason that people take their money early is they're they think worried. it's gonna. They're, they think it's gonna blow up in ten years when the Social Security goes or they're gonna bankrupt, die. or they're not gonna get their money's worth. Yeah, right. They're gonna die before. You remember, it takes about ten years for the the lines to sort of cross there. So that should be massively. And if it's a huge part of your retirement, you really ought to wait because that benefit goes up eight percent a year, uh, a year after age uh, full retirement age, and then to the plan. You got to know, right, the spend is important, but you got to think about the unexpected expenses, right? Mm-hmm. Healthcare, that kind of thing. Most people don't really factor that in. When we write a plan for people, yeah, we do. Number two is, and here's the part that's uncomfortable. And a reason that a lot of annuities get sold is people are, when you quit working, you think about the money more and you look at your money more often and you worry about market volatility, right? We're coming off another not so great quarter. People are, I, I can see it already. People are selling stuff like, well, I got to get out of the market, whatever. No, you're not selling after things go down. This is part of the plan. Things go up and they go down. So can people retire at 65? Sure. But can they do it right? Not unless they have a plan. No. And the plan, uh, as Tom says, includes income, it includes taxes, and it includes how you invest. You need to know how you're going to invest before you start investing. 
And one of the biggest problems we all have is that we invest based on things that we hear, we read about, Ah, somebody tells us about, Mm. or some idiot on the radio who's promising. You're calling the cash flow king an idiot? Yes, I am calling the cash flow king an idiot. A guy by the name of Matthew Modell. Yeah. Uh, follows in a long line of famous cash flow kings and Ponzi schemers to, uh, he only, he only conned his podcast audience out of a measly $11 million. The reason he gets some recognition here. Yeah. Okay. 11 million isn't a lot unless it's your 11 million, but the reason he gets some attention here is while we've heard of many people, broadcasters who have been Ponzi people, not as many podcasts. I'm sure there's somebody else. So it's kind of like relative way to go. Matthew, you put yourself at the head of the list, first in line. Uh, $11 million. And guess what he was using to bring people in? Still my favorite, promissory notes. Yeah. Promissory notes. Yeah. Promissory notes pay more than other uh, notes because, of course. well, <laughs> they're a promise and I'm a liar. <laughs> yeah. And it was somehow attached to residential properties which were not purchased uh so again so basically uh, he promised hmm. he just didn't deliver yeah and so uh and i i think he's only been charged he hasn't gone away yet right that's what i said he's alleged podcast and social media platforms to bolster his reputation as an investing expert while fraudulently targeting investors hard-earned retirement assets according to the division of enforcement that's people you never want to hear from if you're in our business Actually, so again, people will promise things and they'll do it on what appear to be reputable platforms. Well, his podcast was on Spotify and Apple. That doesn't mean a darn thing. Any idiot can get their podcast on Spotify and Apple and do submit them. So just because they're there doesn't mean they're vetted and people promise all kinds of things and there's no one around to stop them in advance. And as a matter of fact, it's often even hard to stop them at the back end after they've already ripped you off because it is there there are more cons than there are regulators. Uh, like way more. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. So too good to be true. Pay attention. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't say true. what percentage yeah. he promised on the returns. Uh, I did, at least I didn't see that. The number, which is always what I'm looking for. Like, did he tell you 10 percent? Did he tell you 12 percent? Let's see if any sounds other, too good to uh, be true. Yeah, it pretty much is too. Yeah, good. he just promised low risk and high return is what all the stories say. <laughs> Did we have a call like that recently? Like, I just want to make money but not take any risk. Yeah, and and that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't sign it sign me up? It? But now, if if such a thing existed, why would we have a stock market? We wouldn't. I'd give them all my money. I don't know about you. Yeah, but that's I want a high brainer. return, no risk. Of yeah. course you do. Can't have it. So he doesn't have a percentage anywhere. No, not in any of the stories, but I'm sure it'll come out later. And as the SEC's uh, complaint moves along in the courts. So anyway, hopefully they'll find some, some of the money. Yeah. Pay attention. All right. They're not going to find the money. He he went to basketball. I mean, he spent it on things that you are non-fungible. You can't get money back from basketball tickets. Really? Non-fungible tokens. (laughs) Oh God, please. All right. uh, Comment then question. Hmm. Okay. All right. I've been putting this one off for a while, so we may as well just put it out there. You know, I think our friend Clark Howard has a thing called Clark Stinks, and this is Tom and Don Stinks. Because this I really, really want to do. I want to do a monthly podcast where because I want to respond to some of these bad reviews and yeah. comments. I do. Okay, we could do that. Uh, Ted called and said, 
Why do we list mutual funds instead of exchange traded funds for our recommendations online? Uh, because both work. We're lazy. Um, we should what? have we should have an ETF portfolio. I we thought will. I had an ETF portfolio. I don't know. I think if you go to do it, if you go to talkingrealmoney.com and click on do it yourself, I think it's just funds. But anyway, I'm going to so, look. Yeah. I am so Ted look. was upset. So I'll fix he it. He wrote. Uh, three funds, three. F- oh, two ETF portfolios. Okay. Well, there's some, but I think so, he was like, yeah, why we, don't you offer the equivalent? No, no. Okay. I do. I do. No, 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 please. I, here, I, I'm going to defend us. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Because us. this the is reason, the first time anybody's the re- defended us. It was us. Re- that's why. The reason we do, we have a, here's what we have. We have a Fidelity three fund portfolio. Why three do we have mutual a Fidelity fund? three fund mutual fund? Okay. Because they don't have a global fund, so we have to do an international and yeah, a U.S. instead of just one. Right, got it. We do a Vanguard two-fund portfolio. Two mutual funds. Two mutual funds. Yep. There's a reason why we do those, because of 401k plans. You Otherwise, you can't, because in a 401k right. plan, as you yet, can't, you can't use exchange-traded correct, funds. Got correct. Got it. Correct. And okay. the difference in, in returns is so negligible. Vanguard's funds or Fidelity's funds are like a couple of one hundredths of 1% more expensive. So on small investments, we're literally talking pennies. But right here next to it, the fact the very first thing on the do-it-yourself portfolio page is a two ETF portfolio. Tom, uh, Ted? A-V-G-E. A-V-G-E, which we like very well. Ted, can I just go ahead and say it then? Yeah. Tom and Don smell great. We don't stink. Yeah, we don't so stink. just put that out there. Ah, uh, this is from Robert in Apex, North Carolina. You ever been to Apex? You ever been to yes, the Apex? I have. I You've have. You've been to the Apex? You've been to the very have. highest point there? I don't okay. think it's the highest point. That'd well, be Mount why would, Washington. Why isn't it why is it called Apex then? Because I mean, it's I a town and it's up all high. Right. I don't all know. All right. This is a this is an important question. No goofing around here. All righty. Sure. Robert. He says, I'm 53, contributing to my HSA. I think that's health savings account. I currently and will continue to pay my medical expenses with post-tax dollars to allow the tax-free growth of the HSA funds. I have $5,500 in my HSA and will contribute the max allowed each year. Do you know what the max is on an HSA? I'll look this up. I I don't have one. For an individual, it's $3,850 a year, $3,850. For a family, $7,750. When I read that, I immediately increased mine. $4,150 and $8,300. I immediately increased mine when I saw that. Um, Because it's just another way to save for retirement. Mm -hmm. My plan is through WEX, W-E-X benefits. There are a number of target date funds as well as stock market funds and indexes. He walks through them, blah, blah, blah. I'm comfortable with market cycles, where do you suggest I invest? Here's what I suggest with an HSA. Some should be kept in, and I think cash. they make most people keep like a thousand bucks in readily available cash, I think. Yeah, to pay Our some of the does. medical yeah. bills pre-tax. Yeah. Which makes sense. It should be. Uh, then the rest, sure, put it in, you know, then the question, would it be a target date fund or would it be? Target date, probably. Or a complete total market index with no, no bonds in it. No, I would probably go with target date because, again, you're going to have less volatility. And therefore, if a bigger expense arises, um, more comfortable liquidity. And as you pointed out in a recent show, you can later pay those, if you yes. keep track of them, you can later take money out of the HSA and pay those expenses um, if you paid them pre, uh, post-tax. So, yeah. So yeah, no, that's a great thing. I mean, that's so, a great okay. Thing. So you go with the target date. I think that, as I said, they make you keep a certain amount in cash and you should have that anyway, because something may come up where it needs the money. So I hope that helps Robert. 
I knew I'd been through Apex. It's right here. It's my brother. My uh, brother-in-law used to live close by. I've got family or Debbie's got family in that area. It's, but it is not the apex. The apex of North Carolina is in the mountains, which are West. This Can we right, just say it? North Carolina right high apex right, city. No, apex no. is right by Raleigh. Oh. It's on the Piedmont. Okay. It's not even well, I've, been to, I've been to Raleigh. I've been, my oh, mom close. went to Duke. So she, a son of the South. She continued to duke it out with you for the rest of her life. <laughs> what did she ever? <laughs> Let's not go there. That's painful. So, all right. uh, Robert, thank you for the question. Thank you all for all the questions, comments, et cetera. Ted, we still smell good. So, yeah, again, that's the reason uh, when we do, I mean, the whole point of our portfolios, we don't put up 10 funds that you should own now, like Paul, because we're trying to show you how to, you can do this without a lot of complexity. You know, you've got we, other we used to, to do, do the 10 and then we found people didn't do them basically. Right. And plus them. you have to then pay a lot of attention. Yeah. Because you've got to rebalance those things and do something that goes against our emotional interests, which is selling winners and buying losers. Well, it's hard. It's hard. really hard to do that. Right. So do you have anything you'd like? To I add? have nothing else to add. Thank you all for being part of our, our podcast. We really appreciate it. Truly, we do. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Don. Tom's over there. And, uh, well, pretty much every day of the week except Sunday, we are sitting somewhere talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?